Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. This week we have mashed together some of our best bits from the pod this year and some of the bits we cut out, not because they were rubbish, but because they were perhaps a bit risque or off-topic. So sit back and enjoy. The number one stupid Brexiteer of the week is John Rhys Evans. Uh, he is one of the candidates to become captain of the Titanic, or as it's known, uh, the leader of UKIP. Uh, he uh, he's launched he's launched a, a campaign website. It's got six pledges. Number four on those pledges is that I am going to defend our ancient constitution. Number three on those pledges says it's time for us to reboot our ancient constitution. <laughs> now, I don't really know how that stacks up. It seems a bit churlish to say that we don't actually have an ancient constitution to begin with, just a sort of series of laws and precedents and conventions. But let's let's you know let's just go with this uh i don't know what else has john reese evans got up his sleeve well he says that um he's going to launch a new social uh network for uh ukip uh, which is quite interesting he also says uh he said on twitter this week that multiculturalism this is a quote multiculturalism equals apartheid so maybe his new social media network could be called Racebook. Uh, or something, or swipe alt right. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> Obviously, all of this is quite sensible. Next to what John Reese Evans said in 2014, uh, he was called on then to uh, to denounce uh, the words of a woman called Julia Gasper, who was then the head of Oxford UKIP, uh, and she had said that some homosexuals would rather have sex with animals than other homosexuals. Um, at the time, John Reese Evans replied, I have witnessed that. I've got a horse. A donkey came up to my horse, which is a stallion. A donkey came up, which was male, and I'm afraid the donkey tried to rape my horse. My horse bit the side of the donkey, and I had to give my horse a slap to protect the donkey. So John Reese Evans there. I mean, if anyone can follow Paul Nuttall, it is this guy. He is the Brexiteer of the week. He, he, what a star. Can, can I, the social media network, will that have a dating app, do you think, with it? I would hope so, and yeah. maybe Because maybe that would solve the, the donkey horse problem. Yes, exactly. If donkeys could... UKIP pets dating <laughs> section on, on the app is what's needed. John, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. That's that is what will win you this you race. You can have that one for nothing, John. <laughs> can I just point one other thing out, Steve? There's no Nigel Farage in this uh, list. There isn't, no. But Nigel Farage remains. We wanted to focus on some of the lighter moments because election nights always have their moments of of laughter, uh, whether it's. Um, a monster raving loony, or uh, Tickle Me Elmo, um, <laughs> who we saw uh, yesterday. Or indeed, if it's Emily Thornbury's right breast. Steve, did you have you, have you seen that clip of uh, Jeremy becoming maybe a little bit too familiar with Emily? Yes, it's probably the only thing that he did wrong during the campaign, isn't it? <laughs> uh, where he sort of went for a high five, and a very awkward high five, and his hand sort of came to rest on uh, on Emily... Thornbury's uh, chest. Um, 
it, it, it has to be said that she didn't seem to mind. Um, it was all, you know, it was carried away with the enthusiasm of the uh, of the uh, of the evening. And um, in fact, anyone who had seen Emily Thornberry on about uh, ten past ten reacting to the exit poll will have, have seen that she was. Um, she looked very relaxed. I think we'll we'll, we'll put it uh, that way, shall we? She was she was very relaxed and, and had probably been in, uh, 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 which she was ready to enjoy the evening. So um, so that was good. I thought that was good. Lord Buckethead uh, was was good. It was nice to see him, a credible politician standing next to <laughs> Theresa May. Uh, there was no real Portillo moment, was there, of the evening? Because the people who went were, you know, people just clung on didn't they ben gummer is you know not that sexy but obviously was one of the creators oh, of the unfair well, it's on unfair ben, on but he has got a lovely head of hair but he's not a sexy uh name is he um but he was one of the the sort of the creators of the disastrous um manifesto um i guess the you know the the most pleasing moment for me was seeing paul nuttall getting 3308 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. votes 3,308 also obviously being the number of goals that he scored for Brazil during his uh, football career. But yeah, I mean, it was, it, it was, it was a great night. I tell you what I thought was, was really good. And, it, you know, if you, I don't know what channel everybody who's listening was watching, George Osborne and Ed, abs, ITV absolutely killed it for me. I flipped between all three channels settled on uh, Ed Balls and George Osborne with on ITV at about 2.30, went with them all the way. It was absolutely magic. George Osborne, the, 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 the schadenfreude uh, of, uh, it was just pouring out of him uh, as, he, uh, as he dissected this failure uh, by the woman who, who'd sacked him, and Ed Balls were great foil too. Uh, Jerry, what was your standout, standout moment, do you think? I mean, I think I think whether you're staying up to watch or working throughout the night in any election, you've got to have these hilarious moments just just to get you through. If anything else, um, one of my favourite photos of the night spent a lot of time on the BBC website when it was Theresa May looking not so pleased with goings on, and then behind her was a man taking a. Elmo costume off of his head and just that <laughs> juxtaposition of the two um, was uh, absolutely brilliant <laughs> um, but but apart from that um, Did you see Mr Fishfinger? I did see Mr Fishfinger <laughs> um, and these characters actually absolutely make it for me, of course we also had um, Mr Wright up in, up in Yorkshire who had the Alan Partridge-esque video. Yep. Um, congratulations to him hanging on to uh, that scene. Um, but, you know, these people, they absolutely make it and um, a light bit of comic relief, which is much needed. The the lost deposits has topped half a million pounds. I think it's fantastic, and, isn't and it? the group it's the Greens that have, have paid the most. I think I think oh, the last it? figure I saw was something like one hundred thirty eight thousand pounds. It's cost the Greens. Wow. The um, that's a bit sad, isn't it? Well, something else that's maybe sad, or, or maybe sad's not the right word. Maybe terrifying is, of course, Mister Nuttall. Yeah, couldn't even couldn't even get the UKIP vote out in the most UKIP place on earth. Um, such is his useless uh, attempt at, at, at uh, being a UKIP leader, and has now, of course, resigned, done the right thing, um, where other leaders may may not have. But then, of course, the terrifying, just when you thought it was safe to go back into <laughs> politics, Nigel Farage appears and has told, uh, told Piers Morgan this morning, they'd said it during the night as well, that if uh, Brexit was threatened by this result, then he would have no choice but to come back and, and rescue it. Um, Steve, I know it's you're like, a big fan of Nigel. What do you think? Well, it's uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was extraordinary, shameless, all of the Nigel Farage, uh, you know, all, all of Nigel Farage's usual characteristics came to the fore. Uh, the first time he sort of, the you know, the, the ludicrous frog man, uh, appeared on my television. It was to it was to say that Theresa May was losing because she she hadn't been hard Brexity enough, uh, which is which was clearly a, a ridiculous thing to say. And by the end of the night, he was suggesting that we should have another EU referendum in two years to, you know, which is 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 um, self interest of the 
of the highest uh, of the highest order, isn't it? It's not been a great week, has it, for for Nigel Farage? Um, him and Katie Hopkins called reprehensible uh, for uh, for saying uh, suggesting that internment should return. Uh, or should be brought in rather. They were called. I mean, they weren't called reprehensible by Jeremy Corbyn. They were called reprehensible by Fox News. And you know, and if Fox News are going to call you a bit right wing, then you know you really should start thinking about your material. Um, uh, but yeah, he, he's uh, he's hopping back onto the uh, to the the scene. And um, and uh, you know, as I've said here once, and I will say it before, uh, I would love to see that because Nigel Farage is a complete. F- Thank you, Steve. Goodness me. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One, or order online at our website, www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to the New European. Brexiteer of the week, and what a week it's been. Jacob Rees-Mogg, we've not mentioned him in this podcast, I don't think, or I've not mentioned him in this podcast. He told a Tory fringe meeting at the conference, I think our Prime Minister is a hero of 10,000 years, and I welcome every waking breath of the Prime Minister, our great leader. Which, which just shows that taking the piss was actually a thing in the 18th century. Um, Craig McKinley, do you know who he is? He uh, is the South Thanet MP. He beat Nigel Farage all those years ago. That's right. Uh, he, um, he's also facing trial next May in connection with, uh, with his, his uh, expenses in that, that by-election, uh, the 2015 by-election. He spoke at a Tory conference fringe meeting and said that unemployed young Brits should get on their bikes and pick fruit on Kent f- uh, fruit farms alongside gorgeous EU women. Yeah, yeah. These are quotes. He said, why wouldn't a youngster from Glasgow without a job, because they, they don't have many jobs in Glasgow, obviously, yeah. why wouldn't they come down to the south to work for a farm in the summer with loads of gorgeous EU women working there? Get on your bike and find a job. Now... Won't all the gorgeous EU women have been sent home because of Brexit? Isn't this the fatal flaw in Craig McKinley's Swiss Tony-esque argument? It, it, there, is a, there is a problem there. The other problem is it's a long way to cycle. It is a long way, isn't it? But, you know, but maybe they'll be... Depends how gorgeous those women are, I suppose. May, you know, in the same way that they have a highly skilled visa, and they, that allows... <laughs> maybe there'll be a highly gorgeous... Visa. I will never work abroad. Yeah, well, that's this is it. It's been it's been a, a bit of a bad week for rock and roll, hasn't it? Yeah. Poor old Tom Petty. Yes. Very that sad. is bad. Very sad. But Morrissey and somebody that I love, although Marquis Smith. Let's start with Morrissey. I think this is better known. He played a BBC Six Music gig at uh, Made of Vale live gig. It, frankly, it wasn't very good. Did he play um, any any of any songs? He didn't play any Smith songs. No. Did he play any early Morrissey? Uh, he played some reasonably obscure Morrissey. Did he? He played a lot of new, Did fre- he play very Kit? new material. My he, son's called Kit. Morrissey has a son. I'm, oh, does I'm, he? I'm a massive, massive, heartbroken Morrissey fan. Uh, the, the the main headline was that Morrissey broke off from one lumpy new song. To tell the audience that he, I'm not going to do the accent again. To tell the audience he was surprised. I'm surprised. Oh, I'm surprised to see Anne Marie Waters is the new UKIP leader. Oh, she isn't because the vote was rigged. Mm. And then there was sort of silence among the metropolitan elitists mm. in his audience. And then he accused them of not reading the news. Mm. It's very sad for me this, but Morrissey, I think, probably would be better off retiring. Yeah. Yes, I wish he'd retired a long time ago. Actually, Marquis Smith, leader of the. If you if you don't know about Marquis Smith, the, he is the leader of a Manchester band called The Fall. Uh, he has uh, he leads a lifestyle which I would say is not conducive to uh, being alive. Being alive is a good way to do it. Certainly not to being the creative 
powerhouse genius that he was uh, uh, in the years from um, from the inception of the fall in 1977 to pretty much through until the the, the, the mid 1990s when he was you know pretty much unwackable I think he has told louder than war magazine I thought brexit was great and I still do I mean, he's, you know, he, he's contrary Mary, isn't he, Marquis Smith? But he, he, he sort of likes to disagree with the uh, with the norm. I think this is sort of deeper, the deeper held view with him. Um, when they asked him to explain, he said this, and this. If I tell you that, if I'm going to repeat this now, and this might change how you think about Brexit, yeah, completely. Well, after, no one will ever hear it. I'll so why do you? Why do you? That's right. This this could be the final episode. Why do why do you think? Why do you support Brexit, Mark? Middle class kids here want to go to Europe, but why do they think all those European kids are here? They're the sort of people who go on about India, but now I can bargain with Spain and Portugal. But the middle class groups who don't sell any records, they used to get the same money as the fall. Now that's well out of the window. Do you know what I mean? It's incredible, isn't it? Wow. So that's it's it. all falling. The scales have yeah. fallen away from my eyes. The cloud is lifting. I've got it. And the India point absolutely cleared everything up for me. Yeah. I was once promised an interview with Marquis Smith. I um, think you've been a, it's a lucky escape for you. I it think. was going to be in person. Yeah. Then it was cancelled. Yeah. Then it was going to be on the phone. Then it was cancelled. Then the phone rang and it was the drummer. Yeah, oh good. That's who, exactly who you want to speak to. In the fall, yeah. In the fall, yeah. yeah. He, he wasn't the drummer for long, I don't no, think. No, he um, wouldn't have been. And I said, oh, I don't mean to be rude, but I really, it's Mark or nobody. And the record company told me it would definitely be Mark. Drummer rang back. <laughs> Doing an impression of Mark? No. Daniel Hannan is the, is the, or Dan Hanan. Or Dan the Nan Hanan, as I think we're going to have to yes, call him now. yes. The brain of Brexit. That's right. Before the Conservative Party conference unfolded, I actually thought one of the worst things that would happen to the Conservatives this week would be Daniel Hannan going on uh, Brexit Reality, which is Channel 4's excellent strand. He appeared in Wakefield, an audience of Leave voters, some of whom are now regretting it, obviously, and he said that our curry is going to get better after we leave the EU. I mean, it's an incredible thing to say in Wakefield, isn't it? You know, <laughs> what do you think these chaps in Wakefield will want to hear uh, as he, you know, went up the country from Westminster? Anyway, uh, somebody in the audience then said, well, look, but after Brexit, and when you tighten the immigration rules, we're already finding that it's harder and harder for the top chefs um, to come from Southeast Asia anyway, and... and remote parts of India and, and they are these people are brilliant and they actually don't want that much money because of where they come from um, and how, what's what's going to happen there and and then Daniel Hannan turned to him and said this guy owned a, a chain of curry houses and he said I think you'll agree you could be doing more to train up people in this country to be curry chefs so mm. to, let's just to paraphrase what he's saying Daniel Hannan is saying our curry is going to get even better because all the best chefs are going to leave and they're going to be replaced by trainees to whom Daniel Hannan will read out selections from Madder Jeffrey's Curry Bible <laughs> and go, have you got it yet? So Daniel Hannan, never a dull moment. <laughs> and he is the Brexiteer of the week. And what do you think of Nigel Farage? I think it's a f- Uh, some outstanding examples of stupidity among the Brexiteers. Let's start with Andrew Bridgen. So when Lord Adonis, who is a, a government advisor, uh, compared hard Brexit to the British appeasement of Hitler uh, last week, a lot of Brexiteers among the Tories especially popped up to say how disgraceful it was. Uh, and the theme was that you should never use the Fuhrer as a yardstick when sort of comparing things and uh, I particularly liked uh, uh, Andrew Bridgen's comment then. Uh, he's the MP for North West uh, Leicestershire. Uh, he said that you should never compare anything to Hitler and that Lord Adonis clearly doesn't believe in democracy just like Hitler. <laughs> uh, that's uh, Andrew Bridgen there. 
we've talked earlier on about the photo of uh, David Davis, Fraser Nelson, who is a uh, columnist for the Daily Telegraph. He's also uh, the editor of the Fine Spectator uh, magazine. Uh, he has now deleted his tweet in which he said of that picture, the picture sums it up, the tables are groaning with the weight of pointless EU paperwork when just the basic facts are needed and he, it symbolises what we won't miss about the EU and I, I thought that was a particularly incredible uh, take on that. I just imagine how Fraser Nelson might have greeted the appearance of the Emperor uh, in the Hans Christian Andersen tale uh, a refreshing take on fashion. The emperor has eschewed the weight of pointless genital covering and protection against the cold, and it symbolises what we won't miss about fashion. Uh, a remarkable work from Fraser Nelson there. It's been a bad week for Tim Martin. He is the CEO of uh, Weatherspoons, the uh, fine drinking establishment for people who dress like Marquis e. Smith from the fall. Tim Martin uh, said last week, I believe, that people who were, uh, the CBI were gloomsters uh, and that they should put a sock in it about Brexit. Virtually every business person uh, who's responded to Tim Martin has said that he's completely wrong about this. And not only that, but, um, but a campaign has started uh, in which uh, people have been leaving old socks in Weatherspoons pubs, probably making them smell a little more fragrant uh, than they did already, and they've also been sending their old socks uh, to Tim Martin uh, as a reaction to him saying that the CBI should put a sock in it. Now, clearly this is totally out of order. Uh, we can't condone that at the New European, and we think you should send messages of support to Tim Martin. You can either hand those in uh, at any Weatherspoons pub or you can send them to Tim Martin, Chairman, JD Weatherspoon, HQ, Watford, WD24, 4QU. So please don't send any socks to those addresses. Steve, take it away. Let's get on to Nigel Farage, ah. uh, who is a f idiot. <laughs> You look ridiculous, Hillary Clinton, he tweeted this week. Nigel Farage is a man who looks like a human <laughs> white Freddo bar. He is a nicotine-stained man-frog calling somebody else for looking ridiculous. And he also said, the rumour is that she wants to run again in 2020. That's not the rumour. She's not going to run again in 2020. Don't be stupid. No. The rumour is she wants to run again in 2020. It's time for her to recognise that it's over. <laughs> Nigel Farage is a man who does not recognise it's over. He has failed to become an MP in 1994, 1997, 2005... 2006, 2010, and 2015. I think I've missed one out. 2001. 2001. There's so many. As well. Uh, plus, Nigel Farage's life's work is either not going to be uh, not going to happen at all, or it's going to happen and then be so abysmal that it's going to be overturned very quickly. So, Nigel Farage. I mean, talk about the pot and the kettle. Chris Grayling. I saw Chris Grayling on Andrew Marr. He said, "This is going." This was always going to be a long and difficult negotiation. Did anyone honestly think we would walk into a room with the European Union, shake hands and do a deal in half an hour, he said. Well, some people did. Well, they did, yeah. So, can you tell me who that was? Who was that, that bold person? It was Chris Grayling, yeah. wasn't it? Sunday Politics, February 2016. <laughs> he said, of course there will be a free trade agreement and it will take a relatively short period of time. Amazing. Um, so it, a total flip-flop from, from Chris Grayling. He wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one, was he? But the Brexiteer of the Week, the first thing he's ever won, and the, frankly, the only thing he'll ever win, well, it's the second thing he's won, because he, he did win the captaincy of the Titanic, which is uh, the UKIP leadership, is Henry Bolton. Um, this was He's UKIP's new leader. Now, there are many rules, aren't there? Uh, there are many rules about interviews, you know. I think one of them is never allow yourself to be dragged into a discussion during a, an interview about which woodland creature you could strangle to death. Well, you see, I, I, we've both interviewed lots of people in our careers, and it used to be my first question, but everyone's wise to it now. Yeah, they are, yeah. The, it's just it's it used too, to have the element of surprise. It's a, it was a gotcha yeah. question not so long ago 
like but, Ian Dale's, uh, yes. how, how would you vote again? But it's a good 10 years since anyone's been caught out by the Woodland Angles. Henry Bolton, though. And, and th- I think this came about, didn't it, because... Russia Today. That's right. There was something on on. Was it on the? Um... There, there was Russia Today. In the, I haven't seen this, but it was explained. In what must have been a bizarre uh, interview, we're trying to get him to explain what the initiation process may be. Right, and there was, and they gave him a range of ones they, they to, to to do. I would have so I'm guessing it. Of, so I'm guessing it is on the humorous Russian Today. <clears throat> show which um, which my friend uh, uh, Alex Lowe appears on sometimes as Corbin, sometimes now as a camp uh, Reese Mogg, and uh, the one where Farage was n- yeah. was knighted by a, a small right. child. Yeah, yeah, Is it right. called News Thump? Uh, I'm not sure. It's come I'm back not to a, me now. I'm not a, You're not a Russia I'm, Today aficionado, clearly. Afraid, no. So anyway, he was asked about this, and Henry Bolton said on Sky. He was asked on Sky News, live on Sky News, and he said. The one, the initiation ceremony that was most suitable for me was chasing a badger across Dartmoor, capturing it and then breaking its neck with my bare hands. Um, <laughs> not a great thing to be quoted as saying, it's is just, it? I've got this vision of him chasing right across Dartmoor. Yeah. Not just 10, 15 metres, miles and miles and miles. Yeah. Well, he's a former military man. Oh, isn't he is. He? I don't doubt he could do it. So he will. I, I will find you, and I will kill you. He what? would say to that little badger. The only thing is, I reckon just before he caught it, David Davis would have sweeped in <laughs> and beaten it to death with his fists. <laughs> yeah, because hold could, me back. He can kill a man. He can his, kill a man. Yeah. yeah. Like Although he, he has, he has said, in fact, um, just today that he he's confirmed. Yeah. So it got. Breaking news on the podcast. Is this related to Simon Brodkin? David, yes, which we yeah. talked about on the podcast last week, where he said, he it's lucky I didn't get my hands on him, I might have killed him. He has confirmed today that he has actually never killed anyone. Oh, really? Yet. yet. So he's no confirmed kills yet for David yeah. Davis. Oh. Henry Bolton, however. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, yeah, of course. And I think the great thing about this is that seeing this quote and doing my... I am an, you know, I'm an experienced journalist. I, I, I immediately did my badger research. Of course. And do you know what, what a, 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 a thing that badgers do is that they eat rotting fruit, right. fermented fruit, yeah. because they know that they will get drunk. Right. So, they, so this is a thing you often see, drunk badgers now. When we've kicked all the EU nationals out who do the fruit picking, <laughs> there'll be loads of rotten fruit around, won't there? And, so the, and we'll be gangs. overrun gangs of pissed badgers with Henry Bolton taking them on, mano a badger, uh, strangling I... them, drunk badger, ah, Henry Bolton. Well, do you know what? We are, near where I live, we've got a big badger problem. Have you? Yeah, because well. they, we've had to have a temporary bridge put over the road so we can get in. To our houses because, the, because there is the a mating set of badgers. underneath the road. Well, so all... maybe I need to put a call in to UKIP. Well, they're all drunk in there. Get, the, get it's a drinking out. den. Get Bolton in there. He'd kick him into shit, wouldn't he? He would do. But I would suggest he's. But I would say to him, "Listen, Henry, come round. Don't kill him, though. No. Let's. It could be like this. Could be the first step for the badgers." <laughs> There's only 12 more to go. Now you've admitted you've had a problem. Yeah. And when they see some of that rotten fruit, they could ring me. I'm happy to be a sponsor. That's it. Yeah. So the Badger AA is is your notion of how I'm going to ring you keep I'm going to ring you keep with this policy right away whereas Henry would write, like to break what break its neck with one's bare hands he actually yes. said <laughs> what, what an odd do you think <laughs> do you think Amelie <coughs> Waters's stance on badgers was even more punitive than Henry Bolton's <laughs> she would have had their heads on sticks or just she? or just ship them off Back to Badgerland. That's where they came from. A boat full of mournful badgers staring over. <laughs> so Henry Bolton, scourge of the badger, the, the serial colour of badgers is, is the Brexiteer of the week. We do need to talk about Theresa May. Well, we do. It was magic, wasn't it? Oh, well. It was quite something. I mean, clearly there has never been such a calamitous leader's speech. 
No. Ever. I'm trying to think of how it could possibly have got worse, and I was... I, c- I can only think that if she survives next year, someone will give her a puppy and a kitten to pet, and she will accidentally crush both <laughs> of them to death on on stage. The thing is... I can't... It, well, you know, it could be... It's up there with the, you know, the the elastic snapping in your pants, isn't it, and falling down. I'm which I that always, didn't which I mean, that would have. I thought that was going to be the finale, but I always hoped that that would happen while Thatcher was speaking. Um, it's like a Judy um, Finnegan and moment. You, exactly, <laughs> and you just hear a big twang. It would have been better, actually. It would have been, actually, and they were red, white, and blue <laughs> Brexit bloomers. <laughs> Actually, what has happened is that she has got the pity of the nation. No, not from me. No, but she she has. For large, large, a large amount of people uh, feel sorry for her. And as a leader who was hoping to be seen as strong and stable only a few months ago, yeah. and was hoping to reboot not only her her leadership but her party's standing in the country, the last thing you want is sympathy. Yes, um, I agree. Let's go through. The... Although I will say that, as Alistair Campbell, very more a more erudite man than myself, writes in the New European this week, he, he, Alistair says it is hard to feel sympathy for a prime minister who's put herself in a position of doing a job she can't do and trying to manage a task she can't manage. And that was written prior to the speech. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. Let's go through the three main problems in her speech and okay. then maybe get to a fourth the three obvious ones yes it there were coughs at the beginning yeah. which obviously i was watching um i was there and i was watching very closely and there were coughs and i actually saw her address the police federation conference some years ago as home secretary and there were there were issues then with coughs and that was quite a high profile speech she was up against it then so i wonder if this is a bad cold or if there is a nervous, nervous reaction cough, yeah. to because there were a few clearing of the throats, but then... Clearings of the throat? Clearing of the throats. There was a few moments when she cleared her throats. <laughs> what, what, which it is? I'm going to cut that out and start again. So no! Not there was a few moments when she cleared her throat. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> but, um, but then, of course... Lee Nelson stands up Lee and Nelson, hands her. Comedian Lee Nelson. I think comedian is stretching it, in my opinion. But prankster. Um, yeah, but but you certainly have up the Tory conference because up until then it was very dull. He's a prankster, isn't he? Yeah, um, you've got to say. I mean, I, I, I'm not. When I've seen Lee Nelson's comedy routine, <coughs> I haven't thought it to be that it was a routine. It wasn't that comedic. However, his stunts are generally. Well, he's certainly got balls because he has. I didn't even take swastika, a picture of the... swastika balls in the case of Donald Trump, which was a great right, stunt. Yes. But I mean, the the you know the the, the Sepp Blatter thing is is a defining image, and yeah. unfortunately for Lee Nelson, I think the defining image of this one is actually the letters falling off behind her, isn't it? Maybe, maybe so. But but um, it, it just I'll just explain what happened with the press. So we um, a lot of us were in the hall, a lot were in the press room, about fifty fifty. And um, those of us who dashed out of the conference hall to try and confront this chap missed the routine of him going round and introducing himself to Boris. And so by the time he got out, it was our understanding, as you'll see from the video on the yes. New European website, that this was some disgruntled party member rather than yeah, Lee yeah. Nelson. Which, what a great story that would have been yeah. if that was actually true. Um, so we thought it was somewhat of a better story. By the time we got back inside, Theresa May completely collapsed and could barely speak. So part two of this is the cough. Surely some sympathy for the cough. Uh, well, it's, uh, yeah. We all cough. middle-aged lady with a cough. Yeah. We, we feel a little bit of sympathy for that. The cough certainly got worse, though, after she'd been handed that P45. Yes, well, it would do, wouldn't it? It completely knocked her off her stride, that. And then, of course, the third interruption, although uh, I don't think Theresa May was actually aware of it, but the letters falling off. The I mean, letters falling off. Literally couldn't get any worse, could it? Just the most incredible comedy sketch. It, was, it really was good. I mean, the, what you've got to remember, though, is that it is when tested the most that we reach deep within ourselves and we find that our capacity to rise to the challenge before us may well be limitless, which yeah. is what she said, <laughs> which is also what... 
President Bartlett said in the West Wing, <laughs> which is right. the fourth thing that we haven't really got onto yet. I think we kind of we kind of accept now, don't we, that there is going to be plagiarism of these rote. Well, the reason you know, I'll tell you the reason, like eagles and all of this. I'll tell nonsense. you the reason, and this is not the first time, of course. Trump had a, Trump's wife had an issue with a West Wing speech. She oh, no, did. It, was, it was a, a Obama. Speech. It was Michelle Michelle Obama's speech. The thing right. is that the wonks in the she, office. She wouldn't watch the West Wing, would no, she? Not no. and not Donald either. But there are tons. Not of... unless it was a porn version of the West Wing. <laughs> wow, yeah. West Wang. <laughs> <laughs> they're. Um, they're... There are lots of people who work in and around politics who who learn to love politics by watching The West Wing and yes. and Bartlett by Bartlett will be their favourite um, episode, I'm sure. I yes. think that's the one that this speech is in. So it's no surprise that these things creep in. No, it's not. Um, but yes, that well, that was somewhat lost. Um, and in fact, I was thinking about about writing along those lines before before she stood up, and then you know we had lots more to write about. Uh, but the fact that the fact that the lettering also said, you know, build, building the country you deserve yes. or whatever it was, and they couldn't even build a sign. Actually. I know. I know. I mean, the 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 shame that the O out of country didn't go <laughs> first is is that is the that's probably the only thing that went right for them. There isn't is it? still someone, at least someone, on Theresa's side up there watching over her. Not, if he hadn't been, <laughs> if he hadn't, yeah, exactly. If he hadn't been. Sitting down there, I, I just the image of Boris Johnson with a hammer on the other <laughs> side of the, you know. But maybe it was part of one of his family, one of his extended family. Let's talk about the stuff that was actually in the speech because yeah. it wasn't great, was it? It wasn't a lot. Well, I mean, it seemed like quite a lot uh, when I first sat down with the speech. So as she was speaking, we obviously get a, a version of the speech to read. How long was it? Because she spoke for like over an hour, didn't well, she? She did. She spoke for about fifteen minutes, and yeah. she spluttered for about forty-five. I'm not sure how long it was. The chaos that surrounded it made all that kind of thing, um, you know, difficult to to get on top of. But it was, it was like, over an hour. She was certainly on her feet for over an hour. Yeah, it was but like we, an episode of the Fast Show, wasn't it? With coughing Bob Fleming, <laughs> you know, some random bloke. Brilliant! All of this, things falling off, you know, Paula. <laughs> Paula's, you know, weather map falling down and stuff like that. It was, it was the fast show. Do you yeah, know that... who I'd like to have heard speaking? Who at the conference? Me, you. Yes, yeah. I did try to get on stage, but I was wrestled out. You need what you need is a comedy P forty five. That's all you need: a lanyard and a comedy P forty five, and then you'd be in. Yeah. What about former Sunderland manager Peter Reid? Yes, that'd be lovely. That'd be good. Yeah. Because Peter Reid has got a book out. Do you know this? <laughs> no. It's called Cheer Up Peter Reid, as it would be. <laughs> Peter Reid, for those who don't know, played for with distinction for Everton. He briefly played for Manchester City, who I support and was the manager of Manchester City, and then he was the successful manager of Sunderland, and then he managed some other clubs with less distinction. He has written a book, uh, an autobiography, and he's talking about the time that he took charge of an England Legends team against Germany in 2006. Does yes. this ring any bells now? Uh, well, I'm a big follower of any England legend so teams, obviously. I think Alistair Campbell may have been involved in this. Right. Uh, but I definitely know that Boris Johnson was involved in Oh, this. it's not the tackle. And it was the occasion of the tackle. Yes, that's right. Anyway... Peter Reid, in his book, says, One of my players, I'm not going to do the accent, one of my players was a certain Boris Johnson. As most people have now realised, Johnson is a mop-haired buffoon. But the people of Liverpool had already come to that conclusion, having been on the receiving end of his brand of politics. My anger with him was caused by an article which appeared in The Spectator. And then he goes on to talk yep. about the article that which Johnson didn't write, but had edited, uh, which said that uh, Liverpool, it again repeated the stuff about Liverpool fans partially causing the Hillsborough disaster and then coined the sort of self-pity yep. city thing about Liverpool. Peter Reid says, as soon as he went, got in the dressing room, I went for him. Hello, Peter. Boris Johnson, pleased to meet you, he said. Peter Reid replied, I've been meaning to have a word with you, you <laughs> Having a go at Scousers, who the f*** do you think you are? You could hear a pin drop. The likes of John Barnes, 
Richard Ashcroft, Nigel Benn and Sean Bean were open-mouthed. <laughs> Boris couldn't, t- couldn't work out whether he was pulling his leg. Uh, pull- I was pulling his leg because he was half-smirking. But I wasn't messing. You are a f- disgrace, I said. And the tirade continued. Boris <laughs> himself. So there you go. I would like to hear Peter Reid speaking at the next Stop Brexit march. Peter Reid, if you'd like to get in touch and come on the podcast, please do. Yeah. We'll plug your book some more for free then. Yes. Um, that's a great story. And if you haven't seen Boris's tackle, YouTube it because it well, is you don't hilarious. Want to see, many people have seen Boris's tackle, but, <laughs> but this is a this is a this is a, a football. This is on a football field. Okay. What about you, Kip? What about Ask you, me Kip? What about you, Kip? Oh, tell me about you, Kip. Um, so, well, Richard, you went to the UKIP conference. I did. I went to UKIP conference and we I were, arrived. We were, like Morrissey, we were expecting a different result, weren't we? I think we'd been prior. Well, we, I was certainly a, a believer. You just said it is definitely going to be, be definitely Water. Let me tell you through some of the some of the chaos of UKIP conference. It, so, I arrived very early, having driven through the night, which I seem to have been doing rather a lot, to Torquay. Um, which is lovely in early uh, morning, and got to my hotel and went to conference hall, where I expected there to be gangs of skinheads yeah. swigging beer with EDL flags waiting yeah. for their man, or indeed this case woman, yeah. to win. But there wasn't. There was a dozen or so local Labour activists who were very polite, very sweet, and they were even quite polite to the UKIP members. And there was maybe 50 or so UKIP members who were very polite, very sweet to everyone. What sort, of age, the what sort of age are the UKIP members? Well, it's funny you should ask that, because I did a quick sort of scan of the conference hall, which was full um, by the time the results were announced. There was one black face yep. um, that was leadership candidate. Natural or uh, <laughs> not blacked up? That was Mr. Curtin, who was one of the lead, who was one of the uh, leadership candidates. Who sadly, didn't win. He sadly didn't win. There was maybe seven or eight percent female right. who had been dragged along by their other right. halves. There were maybe five or six percent under thirty. Five or six percent. And then there was this massive block of white forty. Five to death aged men. Yeah. Dressed the same. Yeah. What's the dress code? Well, it's def- always tweed, of course. Tweed, yeah. Um, although there is some Farage variations tweed. on that. There is some variations on that. They are a fan of the corduroy. Yeah. Corduroy and could, trouser. Full corduroy suit in one Ooh. instance. But definitely a trouser. And then the yellow purple tie. Yes. Is a big. I have a, a, a tie that's very similar to a UKIP tie. I do. It's not no purple. It's navy blue and yellow. And people have asked me why they UKIP tie. And when Anne Marie didn't win, the relief was, was it palpable? Extraordinary. And the conclusion I came to. No the need piece, for the tenor pads that I bought this morning. They were all. <laughs> they were all thinking. I think. Do you know what? I couldn't find anyone who voted for Anne Marie Waters. Not one yeah. person. Even beforehand, I spent hours trying to find someone. There was no one. Yeah. And I think the truth of the matter is that a lot of the people that did had come in to try and to try and help her take over the party. Yes. I think the truth of the matter is that the UKIP faithful want UKIP to say stay exactly as it is, yeah. as a sort of old man's gentleman's club where they can get together and moan, have a few nice drinks, play their bingo as they did on uh, on Friday evening in my hotel. UKIP bingo. Yeah. You, well, it wasn't UKIP bingo, but there were a lot of UKIP doing it. And and just let life carry on as it was. They want to carry on moaning about Brexit yep. for as long as they possibly can. Yep. They are they have concerns about Islam and that, but it's uh, not really number one. No, for them. it's not. It's still Brexit. It's still Europe. Yep. So they can happily carry on doing what they, what they are were doing. doing. One of the funniest things I saw as I as the um, announcement was made. Uh, a, a call, I, I was there on my own uh, for the New European, but lots of um, fellow journalists were there in pairs, or you know, there was gangs of them all working for the same publication. One looked at the other, and and uh, and she just said to him, "Quick, Google him." 
<laughs> because no one thought that Henry Bolton was going to win until sort of mid-morning when his name started to get mentioned quite seriously. Yeah. But I was speaking to, to people in the party who told me, as it was being read out, definitely Whittle. Yes. And then Whittle's name was read out, and he you know, my source was scarpering off somewhere. Yeah, he was, it, was a, it was bizarre. It was not the, the result that I was expecting. I did notice, look, I was trying to make some sense of who would win or try to get some gen on who would win by looking at the odds changing in the morning. And at one point, Bolton on Betfair went down to 100 to 1 on, yeah. uh, suggesting that, I mean, Betfair is obviously the odds change as more money is put on somebody. So that would suggest that somebody had just put a large sum of money on on uh, Henry Bolton, the odds normalised by the end, and and, and even even uh, ten minutes before the the um, before the result was declared, you could still get five or six to one on Henry Bolton to win. Yeah, yeah. I've got to say, for professional reasons alone, I've watched quite a lot of the UKIP hustings. Henry Bolton was the most plausible candidate by a mile. It, not it, not just through his military yeah experience. He's def- I mean, on paper, he's got the credentials to. To do the job, yeah. um, he he's, he he's got one as as they say in um, in in Manhunter and Red Dragon. He's he's got um, as, uh, as as Will Graham says to Hannibal Lecter. He's got one advantage over the 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 other candidates in that he's not insane. So <laughs> so he's, he's well. We're not sure yet. We don't know him well enough. Well, no. Let's let's give him a bit more time. Um, and he develops a nasty cough. He's a former Lib Dem. He is yeah. now on. Um, the Today programme on Saturday morning, um, I listened to that interview and they asked him about that and he explained it away in a hilarious manner where he said it was something to do with I needed to, I, w- I was employed to help the Afghan government um, to normalise and, and put in place structures and so I needed to know about politics so I joined the Lib Dems. Right, okay. <laughs> wow. Strange mitigation, but there you go. It is. Um, but he was good. He was good with the press, um, and I think he for the Farage wing. Farage backed him, obviously. Yes. And Farage was delighted afterwards. He was. Um, he he wasn't there, but he was certainly happy about the result. I think it's just as you were. Let's just carry on. Yes. And everything is well again in the world of UKIP. What happened to Anne-Marie Waters after the announcement? Because well, presumably she was there, was she? She was. Um, all I saw was a flash of the back of her head as she left. She, so she just left straight I away? I couldn't find her anywhere. I think the Telegraph got to her before um, before she left. But right, OK. I, th- I don't think anyone else did. How would you say she's taken it? Um, uh, well, I, I'm sure she'll be offered a big job in the UKIP front bench and will go from strength to strength and yeah. build a political career from here and, and maybe could even be, be leader in the future and maybe even take UKIP to power. Yeah. That's what she, I would imagine. Her tweet immediately afterwards was, oh. Today, colon, jihad won, truth nil. Ah. Oh. So maybe not. Ah, oh, maybe not. That would be good if she did the... Football results like that every day, every, maybe every Saturday. It was a Saturday afternoon. It was no, it was Friday. Oh, it was Friday. But yeah. um, I'm just now thinking of a of, of Peter Reed managing That's the Jihad right. Eleven <laughs> against the Truth Eleven. Um, Managed by Murray Waters. And then she started retweeting people who were, she retweeted some some old bloke who'd cut up his membership card, his UKIP membership card. Oh. Uh, he was and, probably and, just confused. He was trying to cut up his credit card. <laughs> and done a photo of it, and then quite a few more. My favourite one was she retweeted this bloke who, I think, mostly in caps or mostly sort of with odd capital letters. So it looked a bit like a ransom demand. He had written, <laughs> "The fight for justice has only just started. The battle for Britain will never end." Right. Then he, with that, he put he'd done a sort of photo montage, and there was Anne Marie's head floating in the sky next to Big Ben. <laughs> and underneath it, in beautiful script, he had written, Through me your voice will be heard. <laughs> and you just ah, went... It's fantastic. That's brilliant. It was I, really beautiful. Oh, I hope she sets something up. So oh, she's, we... continued to, she's continued to make clear her displeasure with this 
You know, and this is the will of the people, isn't it? The will of the UKIP people. Absolutely. She, I, I, we will miss her if she goes away. We, I, we will definitely miss her. But, you know, she lost. Just get on with it, I think is the phrase, which I seem to remember hearing before. I don't think she's that worried about Brexit, though. <laughs> no. I don't think she could give two hoots about Brexit, no, frankly. Right. She wants a uh, street war. Well, there you have it. 2017. What a year. Thank you all for listening. If it wasn't for you guys tuning in in your thousands, then this podcast would have wound up long, long ago. As it is, we're going from strength to strength. So leave us your messages, subscribe, tell all your friends, follow us on Twitter, etc., etc., etc. Steve, Jerry and myself will be back next week, as normal. And until then, Mr Campbell, do the honours. Here you go. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.